0: Louise is going to bring our reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 31, and then Peter is going to bring us the sermon on Renew Church, a prophetic people, working for justice, resisting violence, and challenging the abuse of power. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 31.
1: Unity and diversity in the body. Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one Spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have an equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it now you are now you are the body of christ and each one of you is part of it and god has placed in the church first of all apostles second prophets third teachers then miracles then gifts of healing of helping of guidance and of different kinds of tongues are all apostles are all prophets are all teachers do all work miracles do all have gifts of healing Do all speak in tongues. Do all interpret. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Amen.
0: Thank you, Louise. Let's just pray together, shall we? Mighty God, there's been a real sense of your presence amongst us this morning. Really thank you for uh, your Holy Spirit for the way that you uh, touch our lives for the way that you are in our lives and I pray Lord that uh, as we study this particular part of your your word and uh, your calling upon us uh, that you will really speak into our hearts I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts may be pleasing and acceptable to you O oh Lord Amen we're the most connected generation ever in the history of humankind we have to be in touch Uh, we take our mobile phones everywhere Um, we tweet and we whatsapp and we facetime Uh, we can call the world uh, sorry, we can tell the world the minutest details of our lives we even have people now offering counselling for mobile phone addiction Um, but how connected are we with God how often do we hear his voice The first part of our Renew Church Covenant says we are called to be a prophetic people. But what does that mean? What have we signed up to? What have we put our thumbprints on in terms of being a prophetic people? When we think about prophets and prophecy, certain things I believe come to mind. Uh, the first thing probably is the great Old Testament prophets like Isaiah and Elijah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah who God raised up to proclaim his word to Israel, his chosen people, and to the surrounding nations. Or maybe we think of prophets as people who can see and foretell events in the future, But we're not great writing and preaching prophets of Bible times. And we're not fortune tellers as far as I know. I don't think there's anybody here who would claim to be a fortune teller, reads the tea leaves and that sort of thing. But um, I don't think that this is exactly what being a prophetic people means uh, for us today. When we look back in the the New Testament, we we find Paul writing, as as we just read, to the Corinthian church about God-given gifts which the Holy Spirit brings, he says, for the common good, for the good of everybody, for the whole church and beyond. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healings, miraculous powers, And among them is the gift of prophecy. In fact, Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians, a couple of chapters further on, he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Eagerly desire those spiritual gifts which the Bible says the Holy Spirit has available for us. And then he says, especially prophecy. Eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. How many people here are eagerly desiring the gift of prophecy? How many of you are actually eagerly desiring any of those spiritual gifts that we talk about in the the Bible? We should be desperate for the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon us and to release these gifts in our lives and in our church's life. Eagerly desire, eagerly desire, especially prophecy. Why does Paul rate prophecy above all the other amazing gifts of the Spirit? I think it's because prophecy involves hearing and then making known the heart and the mind and the intentions of God. It involves being in tune with God through the Holy Spirit. It's hearing God speak and repeating what he says. It's interpreting to our present generation what God is saying in his word and through his Holy Spirit. Prophetic people are called to speak out into the world, to warn, to challenge, and to transform people's thinking. We are called to be a prophetic people. So our renewed constitution, our renewed covenant, sorry, says that as a prophetic people we will be, as Alan said, working for justice, resisting violence, and challenging the abuse of power. Working, resisting, challenging. These are positive, active words. These are verbs. This is something that we do. Being prophetic people calls for action. Now you might be thinking that that sounds a bit political. And I would agree with you. But it's also totally biblical. It speaks out of God's heart for his world. Bishop Desmond Tutu, who spent years working to bring down the evil apartheid regime in South Africa, once said this, I don't know what Bible people are reading when they say religion and politics don't mix. You can't read the Bible and say that it hasn't got anything to do with politics. I think he's right. If by politics what we mean, I'm not talking party politics here, if by politics what we mean is creating a fair and just society where everyone is able to achieve their full potential. That's politics. That's biblical. That's what it means to be a prophetic people. We have to work for that in our world. The Bible clearly reveals God's heart for how society should be ordered and organized. Read the prophets. I mean, actually read them. You know, some films just finished the Bible in a year. Can you remember the prophets? Bit of a while back. (laughs) I mean, if you read some of what these prophets are talking about, It's political. They call for justice. They challenge unfairness and inequality. They call for peace and truth and concern for the poor and the downtrodden. We need to hear the voice of the prophets in our world today. More than that, we need to be the voice of the prophets in our world today. The prophet Micah says... What does the Lord require of you? Do you want to know what the Lord requires of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Listen to the prophet Amos speaking to the nation of Israel. This is to God's people. This is like God speaking to the church. You who turn justice into bitterness and cast righteousness to the ground. You trample on the poor and force them to give you grain. You oppress the righteous and take bribes and you deprive the poor of justice in the courts. Doesn't some of this resonate with what goes on in our world today? He calls them to hate evil, love good, maintain justice in the courts. You can't say it's not political. All of those you can find in Amos chapter 5. That's one chapter when Amos is railing against God's people, saying you're getting it all wrong, you're not listening to God. Then Jeremiah This is what the Lord says. Do what is just and right. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor, the one who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place. Lord, how much innocent blood is being shed in our world today. This is what it means to be a prophetic people. To stand up and speak out for justice, for truth, for righteousness, for mercy and for peace. To stand against oppression and exploitation. Can we be those people? We must be those people. Paul writes again to the Corinthian Christians, The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. So prophecy, the prophetic word, is also for instruction and encouragement, for strengthening and comfort. Prophetic words speak into the church, into individual lives, to build up and to support. Paul says, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. We can all be encouragers if and when we encourage one another and support one another we're being that prophetic people. Any one of us, at any time, may be prompted by the Spirit to bring a prophetic word to a person or into a situation. Prophetic words can also guide us into right and righteous courses of action. The Holy Spirit prompts us what we should say or what what we should do. But we need to be cautious here. There are people who've gone completely the wrong way with this concept of being a prophetic person and having prophetic words. We can't just tack, thus says the Lord, or God has told me that you should do such and such onto some thought that's come into our head. And people have done a lot of damage by doing that sort of thing. Prophecy is passing on God's thoughts and His opinions and we need to be sure that that's what we're doing. One of the great plays of the New Testament church was false prophets. People coming with false teaching, seeking to control and subvert the true gospel. If you feel, and, and some of you this sometimes I know because I I know that it happens if you feel that God is giving you a word or a picture for someone it's wise to check it with maybe with one of the elders or another mature Christian before you share it with the person concerned check it out it's for the if it's if and it might be for, if it's for not an individual but for the church as a whole, uh, then again, we should be, it should be tested by sharing it with someone probably on the leadership team, if you feel that God's saying something, speaking to the whole church. God will never give us a word or a prophecy which contradicts his character or what he has already revealed in his word. We need to be prayerful as well as careful with this gift. Prophetic words must be weighed carefully. Paul writes in one Corinthians fourteen twenty nine, where he's writing a lot about prophecy and, and, and how it works in the church, and he says others should weigh carefully what is said. If you have a prophetic word, others should weigh it carefully. To see whether it truly is a word from God, some of you here may have the gift of prophecy. All of us can be prophetic people. All of us have a relationship with God, we're His children. And in a healthy relationship, people speak to one another. We speak to God in prayer. And we should expect also that God will speak to us. It isn't a one-sided conversation when you're talking to God. We speak to God in prayer and we expect Him to speak to us. But we must learn to listen. We need to take time to listen. A key part of Christian discipleship, of being a true follower of Jesus, is learning to recognize God's voice and developing our ability to listen to it. And as I said at the beginning, God's got an awful lot of competition in our world today from all sorts of voices coming from all sorts of places in all sorts of ways. And nowadays you can start World War III with a tweet So we need to be careful. We need to be listening and we need to be prayerful. The Apostle Peter wrote For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Can we be those people? who lovingly encourage and support one another in whatever trials and hardships we may face? Yes, we can be. We already are in many, many ways. In terms of the renewed covenant, I keep saying co- Yes, it is covenant. Being a prophetic people means that we're united as a church in our desire and intention to stand up and challenge injustice wherever we find it. To work for peace and reconciliation, whether that be in our individual lives, in our families, in our communities, in our nation or in the wider world, wherever we can be, those peacemakers working for truth and justice and reconciliation. That's what we need to be doing. However, the opportunity may present itself to us. We need to be helping and supporting in practical ways those who are poor and needy, those who are disadvantaged, those who are oppressed. We need to include the excluded We need to welcome the stranger, the alien, the asylum seeker. This is what God requires us to do and to be as individuals and as a church family. This is what it means to be followers and disciples of Jesus. Being a prophetic people doesn't just mean hearing God speak to us, it means doing something about what he says. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? That's a challenge, isn't it? You know, we stand and we sing wonderful worship songs and we praise him, but do we do what he says? And James wrote, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. If we take the Bible seriously, if we take it as God's word, we need to take seriously what it's saying. And if it's saying that we should act and live and have characters in a certain way, then that's what we need to be doing. And we need to be guarding ourselves against anything that diverts us from that path. This is an old story and I've used it before but it illustrates something that I think we need to be aware of. In 1971 our money was changed from pounds, shillings and pence to the decimal system. And a young minister was asked by his vicar to go around a series of meetings talking to people about the coming changes. And At one meeting, a woman sat in the front row and was chattering all the way through his talk. And eventually he'd had enough and he turned to her and said rather sharply, this will affect you too, you know. And she looked back calmly and said, no it won't, I'm moving to Great Yarmouth. (laughs) Well... It's funny, yeah, but are we we like that as a church? God is talking to us about what he's planning and what we need to do and how things need to change and we're not listening and not understanding that it affects us too. That each of us actually has a part to play. I'm not finished yet. There we go. can we then at the beginning of 2020 in our divided nation in our broken, frightening world with an uncertain future resolve to be those prophetic people that God requires us to be can we boldly speak out God's word of truth to an unbelieving and godless society? Can we proclaim God's compassion for the poor and oppressed and his desire for justice? And can we reflect his love and compassion in our own lives and actions? Can we commit ourselves to be a people in tune with God's purposes in this world today? In his world today, never forget in all the stuff that's going on, half the world in flames, you know, the wars and rumors of wars and all the things that Jesus spoke about. Can we commit ourselves to be a people in tune with God's purposes in his world because he is sovereign? Can we resolve to be a prophetic church, not just in words, but in deeds and action? Lynn Green is the General Secretary of the Baptist Baptist Together, or the Baptist Union, and is a woman with a clear prophetic ministry, I believe. And she relates how in August 2017, she says, while I was on holiday and not being particularly spiritual, I sensed God say to me clearly, I will breathe fire over my church. She actually felt she heard God speaking these words to her. I will breathe fire over my church. And she says, with this came a great sense of Jesus' love and tenderness and longing for his people God longs for us and later (coughs) she reflected on what God breathing fire on his church might mean she writes what I sense is the holy fire of God's love and compassion of his justice and mercy of God's presence, renewing and empowering his church. This is a prophetic word, I believe, a word from God to his church, to his people, for this time in which we live. This is as important a word for us now, in this age, I believe, as anything that Isaiah or Amos or any of those people had to say. We sing a song and actually I'd been thinking that we might finish with this song and then when Alan sent the list of songs through he'd actually chosen this song to sing. So I think that was a prophetic word, don't you? It's by Ren Collective and it says, Set your church on fire. Build your kingdom Here. Let the darkness fear, show your mighty hand, heal our streets and land, set your church on fire, win this nation back, change the atmosphere, build your kingdom, here we pray. That's a prophetic song, it's the heart cry of a prophetic people may it be our hearts cry too as we go forward together into this new year lord god will you breathe fire into your churches in this land lord jesus will you set renewed church on fire will you kindle a fire in our hearts will you pour out your holy spirit upon us in new ways as we respond to your call for us to be a truly prophetic people from this day on. Build your kingdom here, Lord, we pray. Amen.